Ciao, Bellas. My name is Kira Graves. I'm Jess Daniker. And this is Safe Space with Kira Graves and Jess Daniker. Today I am joined by my longtime friend and lover. Whoa! Jess Daniker. And lo- Hi, I'm Jess. Big lover. Big lover. Big lover, big fighter. Lover Likes of all. long walks on the beach. Lover of life. <laughs> We're going to have to redo this intro. It's fine. No, I mean, this is what they want to see anyways. We give the people what they want. We do. I love having guests. I've only had one guest so far, and it's been Lauren. Who's Lauren? I don't know. <laughs> my other lover. Oh. <laughs> but you're my you're my main. Yes. My main lover. <laughs> and I have been friends for a very long time. Yeah. We, well, we met. We met on the set of Degrassi in 2014. Yeah. When I was wearing Ugg boots and probably had side bangs. Sexy times. Yeah. Now <laughs> you're looking good. We were doing background. Yep. And uh, it was very exciting because this is this was probably the first like big show that we were doing background on. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was for me at least. It was my first time doing background at all. Oh, Slay. I had never done background. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't even acting yet. Yeah. I was just doing some baby modeling. Baby steps. Man. Yeah. That was, was like just the doing beginning. some. Yeah. We could do a whole podcast on modeling. Oh, yeah. But we, we don't have to. Oh, do God. That. I don't even want to go <laughs> into to that, that right now. That is a whole. But we met. That's all. We met on that. Yeah. And you were such good energy, even at the age of 13, 14. Thank you. I'm so surprised. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't know who that person is. Like, I literally... I saw this thing, and um, I posted it on my story, and it was saying, like, we can't love... We can't hate versions of ourselves because they led us to be who we are today. Oh, shit. And I think... Called the fuck out. I was going to say, <laughs> you always look back and at times in your life or times even, like... When I knew you and you're like, oh, I was so cringy at 15 or I made such bad decisions at 18. And it's like, yeah, but you have to you have to like love and respect that version because without that version, you wouldn't be here. You're so right. Yeah. Fucking some afternoon wisdom. We've literally just started this podcast. Jess is already giving us all the wisdom. If you are new to the podcast, I talk about a lot of shit on this podcast. Mental health, kind of my spiritual journey. But today... We're going to be delving into the the wondrous world of obsessive compulsive disorder. (laughs) I think that it's um, really important to talk about. It is. Like both Jess and I have experienced OCD Mm -hmm. um, at certain points in our lives, but they've been, they've taken the form of, of very different obsessions. For sure. Like mine, it got really bad when I had like increased anxiety and then the anxiety would turn into OCD and it was mainly about like health anxiety illness sickness germs that kind of thing so I would I would like you know obsessively wash my hands I would obsessively cut through my chicken like 17 times to make sure it was cooked and stuff like that but what Jess just told me today is that like there's actually a pure OC OCD yeah there's there's like so many different forms first of all of like mental health in general. Yeah. I feel like we really we really gloss over the different like subsections of mental health mm-hmm. and we kind of throw it all into one category. So a lot of the times with OCD, um we'll have stereotypes about it or like generalize it and be like, "Oh, well OCD is just being a clean freak and wanting to 
apply Purell all the time. I and hate that. Staying inside because we don't want to go, we don't want to get sick. Yeah. But there's, there's so many different things that come with it and it doesn't look one way for one person. Mm-hmm. And I think it would also be really cool to talk to everyone about our own stories with like mental health in general mm-hmm. and maybe just our own approach to that and like how we've overcome it, how yeah. we still go through it. Oh, yeah. I think like, I think that's a big part is talking about how do we still deal with it? How do we calm yeah. it now? Because it doesn't just stop, right? Exactly. And I think that is maybe one of the misconceptions of just like mental illnesses in general. As mm-hmm. People are like, oh, well, like, when are you going to get over it? And it's yeah. like, mm, I don't know. I think it always kind of stays with you, like underlying yeah. under the surface. And like, it might get triggered when you go through a traumatic event or something in your life happens. But there's obviously way- ways to cope with it. Like, and then yeah. you have those like tools in your in your backpack. In your backpack. In your mental backpack that you can pull out and be like, no, I got this. I'm going to rest my knee yes. on your thigh. Do it. Ooh. It's very comfortable. I like that. We're doing yoga later, so I'm I'm prepping for you. Prepping. Yoga. Yeah. Let's, yeah. yeah. I just want to know your whole experience with OCD throughout your entire life. When did it start? Mm-hmm. And how has it changed throughout the years? And how have you learned to cope with it? Great question. First of all. <laughs> long question. Great question. I have always had anxious tendencies. And it always surprises people when I say that because of my personality. Yes! You do not come across as anxious. You come across as the complete opposite. I know. Like, you don't give a fuck. You're just going with the flow. (laughs) I think I I come across as very confident and very comfortable uh, in my own skin. And I am. Yeah. I don't think anxiety always equates to being uncomfortable or being not confident with yourself or being insecure. And I think that's actually a really good thing to lead with. Yeah. Because a lot of the times we associate um, anxiety and really like any mental health struggle with someone who is huddled in the corner and shaking and nervous and like physically comes across as um, uneasy. Yeah. And doesn't want to like go out. Mm -hmm. But like, you like socializing. You like hanging out with people. You go out of your house a lot. Like yeah. it doesn't. Yeah, it de- it's definitely like there's a stereotype for someone that's anxious, mm. and you're not that stereotype. Totally. Like we both deal with anxiety, mm-hmm. but in opposite ways. And I think it's it's cool to recognize that not everyone who acts a certain way is anxious, and not everyone who's anxious acts a certain way. Yeah, I know what you mean. And that's by a that. cool cool thing, but. I'm talking a lot. So let's dive into my story. Yeah, Um, let's go. So when I was younger, when I was about eight or nine, I started getting these really weird thoughts in my head. And people get thoughts. Thoughts are simply thoughts, right? We are not our thoughts. That's something I learned very early on in therapy. But um, I would get these thoughts that like I couldn't stop and that I couldn't really control and that I couldn't make sense of. And it was always such a um, like such a hardship for me because I was so ashamed of these thoughts I was having. I was so embarrassed. I felt so bad about myself. And one of the first ways that my anxiety actually transpired, and this is something you know, but it's not something that I really like talk about a ton. I had something called trichotillomania, which is and you know what that yeah, is. Yeah yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's um, a hair pulling disorder and an anxiety disorder. So basically, I would cope with anxiety by pulling out my arm hair. I would pull out my eyebrow hair. I would even pull out like parts of the hair on my head. 
And um, obviously, like, my parents started to notice because they were like, Jess, where did all your eyebrows go? And I have a lot of eyebrows. Yeah. Girl. You got tick hair. (laughs) I got tick hair. They were like, girl, your eyebrows have gone missing. And I remember just making up things. I was like, oh, I just wanted to pluck them. I wanted to tweeze them. It's the early 2000s. I got to get in with, like, Brittany and Christina. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I wanted to fit in. Yeah. So I would kind of, you know, do that and— the other thing is my parents um, got divorced when I was 10. And, you know, coincidentally, that's when all of this started happening. So because I felt mm. so much shame and so much, like, embarrassment in my own thoughts, I took it out on myself by self-harming and by coping subconsciously. It was not a conscious thing that I was doing because I only noticed I was pulling the hair after I would pull it out. Oh, so once you would see it, you're like, oh, shit. I would do it in my sleep sometimes. I would wake up with like sore skin and I had been yanking on my hair in my sleep. Mm. Yeah. And there's people with trichotillomania who have had it bad. Not to say, oh, I didn't have it bad. But comparatively, like I still had a full head of hair. You know, like I. Yeah, but you know what? Like, it's so valid. <laughs> there's always varying degrees to things. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that there's like a level that like someone is like suffering worse than you. Because we 100%. tend to do that to ourselves. And there's this quote, and I've said it to you, and maybe you said it to me, but it's like, you know, whether you drown in a bathtub or an ocean, it doesn't matter because you drowned. And I think that applies to a lot of. Well, think about it. It's like if one person tells you, oh, I'm dealing with depression because a family member of mine passed away or something really traumatic happened. And you go, well, I'm just dealing with depression and it's seasonal. Right. Your depression is just as valid. Exactly. It doesn't matter if you had some big traumatic event happen. Mm -hmm. You're still dealing with that terrible feeling. Even if you don't know what caused it. It's still valid. It's like you don't need to compare. You don't need to know what caused it. Mm -hmm. The fact is, is that you're experiencing something and that's valid. Yeah. Good shit, Kira. Thanks, man. (laughs) It's coming from the universe. Kira does therapy. It's a spiritual download. (laughs) Without a license. (laughs) Don't come for me. So, yeah. So that's that's how it started with the with the trick. And then I kind of phased out of that. And it became more of something that I was I was explaining to Kira uh, called pure OCD. And pure OCD takes form mentally. So a lot of people think of OCD as performing rituals. So like we said earlier, mm-hmm. hand washing, mm-hmm. putting Purell on, mm-hmm. tapping counters. Yep. And like I did actually, we'll get into that. That did end up happening later. Mm-hmm. But at this point, it was all mental ruminations. And because it was all trapped inside of my own head, I felt so much guilt about it. That's hard. Because I was convinced I was crazy. Mm-hmm. So this was around 13, 14. This is like we're heading into high school. Eyebrows had grown back. I stopped pulling my eyebrows. And I'm starting to get these really like odd thoughts that I don't I don't know um, how to combat them and what to do about it. Can you give an example, if mm-hmm. you're comfortable, of a 100%. thought you would have? So a lot of times with OCD, it's themed mm-hmm. around certain things. Yeah. And it's usually around things that you fear most happening to others. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's surrounding something that you are disturbed by. So I would often get thoughts like surrounding violence. Mm-hmm. I would get like sexual unwanted thoughts. Mm-hmm. 
And I would get um, religious unwanted thoughts. Oof. You know, I went, I started high school at a Catholic school and you did too, but you did it all the way through your Catholic school. Mm -hmm. But um, (laughs) I had so much Catholic guilt. No! The Catholic guilt is so real. Mm -hmm. It sucks. It's real, man. It's fucked up that we still have these types of like, I could. That's a whole another. That's topic a whole other thing. I'll I come could back. go on a rant on. But anyways, yeah. coffee, coffee break. Coffee break. Coffee break. <laughs> mm. Oh, that hits. That does. Oh, mm. <laughs> I'm coming. Mm. <laughs> Kira, sorry. Repent. <laughs> go to Daniel Mary's. Oh my god. Did they have that thing where like they would schedule confessions for like every grade and you would have to go in this room and talk to a priest like knee to knee and tell him your deepest, darkest secrets? We definitely did confessions, yeah. Ugh. 100%. And they would be like anything else. They'd be trying to get it out. I remember the one time I went in and I told them whatever. I talked back to my mom and I called my brother an ASS. And they were like, (laughs) okay, anything else? And I was like, I don't think so. And they're like, how about with your other parent? How about with kids at school and they were like fishing it out of me it was very strange fucked i'll start i'll start talking about um high school and yeah like how did that progress like from the time you were 13 how did it take form when you were getting into your like older teens so i would have unwanted intrusive thoughts about family members of mine getting hurt family members of mine maybe being like violently killed. Yeah. Like really scary stuff that is super not ab- so not abnormal, but things that we obviously don't want to be thinking about. Yes. And it disturbs you and then you're like, what's wrong with me that I had that thought? Yeah. You point the blame on yourself and you're like, "Oh, I must be fucked up because I had that thought," right? My belief like truly and honestly was that I was repressing these thoughts and that they were coming from a deeper place. And that I was a violent person. That I was, like, sexually deviant. <laughs> Whatever that means. That's That came from the Catholic Church. It would be really creepy things. Like, I would think of a teacher in a strange way. Yeah. Or an authority figure. Or maybe even, like, family members or friends. But it was all unwanted and yeah. all so out of my control. Yeah. And I would feel sick when I got these thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm gonna try not to cry, but like it was. <sighs> so when I would okay. get these thoughts, I would um I would like really really believe that it was coming from somewhere deeper, and I would often like push away those people that I had the thoughts about, because I was so convinced that um I was a bad person and that I was you know violent I was a predator a big thing that I told Kira about and this was a really scary one with OCD and also scary to share on the internet but um I've kind of decided that I need to because so many people deal with this and so many people need help with I it know. I know. And I needed that help and I needed those stories so badly and like I never had them I babysat a lot And I would have unwanted thoughts about, like, the kids I babysat because I loved them so much. Yeah. And I started babysitting when I was little. Like, I was only 13 when I started babysitting. So I would have a thought of, like, babysitting a kid and harming the kid. Mm -hmm. Whether that be with violence, throwing them down the stairs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, a kid being assaulted. I would get flashes of any kid I babysat just, like, naked. And that was 
terrifying because I was so convinced that there was something wrong with me and that I was like a bad person, that I was a predator, that I was a dangerous person to be around. Mm. Flash forward to just 10 years later, or eight years later, getting help and talking to a therapist and the therapist just assuring me and doing the same thing, holding my hand and, and nodding like you are right now. By the way, I love you. I love you too. <laughs> um, and just looking it into my eyes and telling me like, no, that's that's OCD and like you're okay. Mm-hmm. And those are just thoughts and you are not your thoughts. Mm-hmm. I would go home and like Google, you know, thinking about this in my mind, am I okay? Having this thought in my mind, am I okay? Yeah. And we didn't have as much information back then about mental health. A lot of these places would be like, here is an institution you can go to. It's a mental hospital. And I'd be like, oh my God, yeah. I am crazy. Like that transpired in me pushing people away, closing myself off, being scared of myself, being scared of um, my relationships with others, my intentions with others. And that is that is some scary shit. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I love you. I love you too. And I'm so proud of you for getting this far. You've seriously, like, you're doing so good. Like, you really are. Kira. You've had to, like, overcome a lot of shit. And those thoughts, like, I believe me, like, I've also had, Mm -hmm. you know, similar, like, intrusive thoughts. And they really do take over your whole, like, happiness. You can't function Mm -hmm. normally. You can't feel fulfillment in your life. Like, it affects everything. Good for you for just going to therapy and and choosing yourself and choosing to help yourself. Thanks, man. Yeah. And and I'm proud of you for talking about this. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Thank you. That's really sweet. Cool. Oh. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. So when I graduated high school, I was really lucky. I moved to Toronto right after high school. I was, because I grew up in Niagara, and in my first semester, something really weird happened near the end of it, where I just broke down completely. I've had a few like this, like comparative breakdowns, but this one was my first true, like I came to a breaking point. I was having almost like an existential crisis, but when it came to OCD. So even at this point, I did not have the tools I needed to like, or the confidence in myself that I needed to tell people. And I didn't have the reassurement or the validation that um, what I was dealing with wasn't completely insane. Yeah. I somehow got better. I was okay for a little bit. And then I went through a very bad relationship dynamic mm-hmm. and like we don't have to dive into no, it here but yeah went through that because near the end of that relationship I was getting really bad OCD again okay so the funny thing about it and you know this from going through your own stuff with anxiety and he- like health anxiety OCD it's all in waves yes it is all coming in waves so it's yep. not just like bad consistently yeah. Or it can be for periods of time, but yeah. usually like you have a good period and then it's bad. And when right? you sometimes during my good periods, I'm like, oh, it's gone. Yeah. You know, I'm cured. Oh, that was just something I had when I was little. Like, like I'm, I'm totally good now. And then it comes up again when you have maybe like a situation mm-hmm. that amplifies those feelings. I was, you know, in a very bad place and finally realized no one 
is going to help you if you don't want to help yourself. Period. That was the biggest thing that I had to learn after leaving that situation, getting on my feet again, and moving forward. Because as badly as like my family wanted to help and my friends wanted to help, you have to make that decision for yourself. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't open up, no one can, no one knows what you're thinking. So that was, that was a whole other thing of a whole decision I had to make of like, am I going to get vulnerable? Yeah. Cause it's scary. Getting vulnerable revolves around your ego a lot too. Oh yeah. I think we just had this conversation yeah. with Lauren like yeah. half an hour ago. Your ego doesn't want you to get vulnerable because your ego wants to stay in control of you. Getting help with my mental health and truly accepting the help was a massive ego blow for me. And an ego reparation. Yep. <laughs> Suddenly I needed help and my ego could not handle that. Exactly. My ego was like, Jess doesn't need help. Jess is the queen. Jess does everything <laughs> for herself. I am so lucky to have my mom who's a boss and who is so self-sufficient and confident and beautiful and incredible. She's going to listen to this and be like, <sighs> start crying. Wow, Jess. Yeah, she'll be like, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> Because I had this like strong mother figure, I was always looking up to her and always thinking, okay, I've got to be strong. I've got to be strong. I made that into a thing of, okay, this is the goal. This is where I have to be. So accepting help along the way is not really allowed. And that's also like people of her generation, that's how they went through life too. They just had to be strong. They white knuckled it. Grit their they teeth were like, and all right, everything is okay. Literally, it's like the Arthur fist. Like, yeah. <laughs> Every day. That Always was me. That was me in the Starbucks line today. <laughs> so, okay, how is your mental health right now? Like, how are you doing mentally? You know what, Kira? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Good. There's been a lot of change in my life. This has been lately. Yeah. Lately. This past like month or two, there has been an extraordinary amount of movement and change and realizations and taking some accountability for things in myself, in my relationships with others, in our friendship, in my family life, in and even just change in terms of work. And that's been amazing, but that also creates a lot of stress. It does. Right? It does. We love change and we crave it, but we are also, a lot of the times, very non-equipped to deal with it. Yeah, we're also like resistant to it. Mm -hmm. But it's good to just like, it's good that you're just like flowing with the change. Yeah. Because like the only constant thing in the universe is change. Is change. That's cool. I've never heard that. Period. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah, it's a good quote. So, okay. So we've talked about your story and how you're doing now. And can you give any like helpful tips or tricks to help people out there who are experiencing the same thing? The other thing I wanted to add on before I do tips and tricks uh, healing is not linear and I'm, I'm doing well now in terms of like my progress. Like I feel like I'm in a great place, but at the same time, um, this is something that I still deal with mm -hmm. and some days are better than others. And sometimes it, it comes back yeah. full force. Yeah. Just be gentle with yourself. You got to be gentle with yourself. Getting help is so important and accepting that help. Mm-hmm is very important. For dealing with anxiety and like anything OCD related, I think a huge thing that I took away from therapy and from talking to people was that you are not your thoughts. And actually when you get an intrusive thought, don't try and fight it. 
Yeah. That was a big thing I learned. And I remember learning it and being like, what? This therapist doesn't know what they're talking about. You need to fight it. But the thing is, the more you try and push it away, the stronger it will come back. Mm-hmm. So if you're sitting here, if you're listening and um, you tell yourself, okay, don't think of a blue elephant. All you're going to think about is a blue elephant. Exactly. You can't not think of the blue elephant. Yeah. Another thing was, I don't know if I necessarily recommend this one right off the bat, but for people maybe that have been dealing with this for a long time, that already go to therapy, that already have done some healing, when you get this thought, explore the possibility of like, okay, so what if it does come true? Yeah. And just knowing that like, even if it did happen, you would be okay. Mm. At the end of the day, you're going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And that's also coming down to like trusting yourself. Yeah. Right? Well, 100%. Taking care of your body physically is a big one. So however that looks for you, if that means going to workout classes, if that means just going on walks every day to make sure you're moving your body and make sure that you're getting those endorphins, that's great. I'd say a lot of it is just accepting help and knowing that by accepting help, you are not less of a person. You are not weak. You're actually very strong. Hell yeah. You are very strong. Yeah. And that is... Something that's that's really, really cool to discover. Fuck yeah. Resilience. Yeah. Resilience, baby. Oh, I just had another. Yeah. Something popped in my mind. So there's a place, um, if you're based in Toronto, called CAMH, which is a, oh. which is like the mental health. Yeah. One of the mental health places in Toronto. Um, CAMH, CAMH is a great resource because they do a lot of work for young people. They do free stuff there? I don't They do have free programs. I think I still have a link. <laughs> link in my bio. I think I sure. actually do have a link in my bio that leads you to um, mental health resources in Canada that are free. Oh, good. That you're able to like emergency talk therapy. So places you can go to and get like same day help. Oh, good. Right? Well, go to, what's your Instagram? <laughs> cool girl 57. <laughs> no. It's just Danaker. So go to at just Danaker on Instagram and click the link in bio. And you will also find more Better. mental health resources Better. in the show notes. At the end of the day, y'all, you are not alone No, with whatever you are experiencing. Whatever you're experiencing, first of all, it's not going to last forever. We always think that when we're in the midst of it, that it's going to last our entire lives. But mm-hmm. there is hope and there is healing in your future. Yeah. And once you go get help, that's the, that's the, you're, you're opening the door now to healing. I think, I think for the most part, that's one of the hardest parts. And one it of the is. hardest parts is over for you for admitting there's something you're going yeah. through. For being that reflective and being like, yeah, I sure as heck need some need some help. It takes a lot of self-awareness to do that. Yeah. Yep. Thanks, man, for being on this podcast. Thanks, dude. Thanks for sharing Thank your Thank you story. for having me. Fuck yeah. It's oh my gosh. So great to have like different stories and you know, I could talk my ear off, my own ear off. I could talk your ear off about my story, but There's only so much I can say about my story and there's only so many people that can relate to me. So that's why I want to have different perspectives and people with different histories and life experiences. So thank you. 100%. Thank you. And you already, you know, Kira knew all of this stuff about me or a lot of this stuff. So I want to thank you for like 
just listening to me like it was the first time you were hearing all of this. Of course. Because that's really special too and very validating to have someone just listen to you in a non-rushed way. I'm a bit sweaty right now. No, yeah. Yeah, It's pretty hot hot. in here. I'm getting hot. It's getting hot Hot in here. here. (laughs) I'm gonna take off my clothes. All right, guys. All right. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Make sure to rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts, and I will see you next week. Bye, guys.